Good morning. Let's turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're continuing in our study of the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. And Lord willing, we will get through to the end of verse 19. And let's just uh, begin... Uh, reading that. So Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he should grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, that's quite a mouthful. This is once again one of Paul's complete sentences from beginning to end. And uh, Paul uh, is praying here. But before we get into the prayer, let's just kind of regroup and and look at where we are in our study. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul looked back at all of the wonderful things that God had done uh, in saving the Gentiles and bringing us together, Jews and Gentiles together, as one body. This is something that was not seen in the Old Testament, was not revealed to the disciples during the Lord's earthly ministry but was revealed through Paul and the apostles at the beginning of the church age. Last week, we looked at the fact that the section that we looked at was a parenthesis. Paul began a sentence in verse 1, paused, there was a parenthesis, which we looked at all of last week. Now the end of the parenthesis is gone, and he finishes up his sentence. And so he started in verse 1, for this reason... And so he goes back to that and says, for this reason, uh, I bow the knees. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. And so he prays um, for the growth of this new body of believers that he's been talking about. And in verses 14 and 15, it says that Paul prays to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He prays to the Father. And anyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can also get down on their knees and pray to God as our Father. You know, we should never get over the fact that God is our Father. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. God is our Father. What a privilege that we can call Him our Father. Because He is our Father. We see here and also elsewhere in the Scripture that we have boldness to enter into His presence. We have free access into the presence of God, something that was totally unheard of in the Old Testament, where if you wanted to to come into the presence of God, you had to be born in the right family. You had to be a Levite. And then you'd have to be the high priest. And you could only go into the presence of God once a year. And only with the right offerings. And and the Lord Jesus Christ through His death has abolished all of that. 
And he just says, now, welcome to the family. God is your father. Come into his very presence and make your request known to him. Imagine having free access to God like that. I want, to, I want you to think of it in, the, in these terms. Imagine for, for a moment that you are the president of the United States of America. Just imagine. I know it couldn't possibly happen, but imagine it. We can pretend, right? And in order to see you, heads of states, presidents, kings have to make an appointment with you just to come into your presence for a one-on-one -on -one conversation. They must pass through security checks and background checks. They must pass through metal detectors and a screening process. It's not easy to see the President of the United States of America. But if, as President, you had a little child, that child could run down the hall, right into the Oval Office, climb up into your lap, and tell you all about his day or her day. That child has a relationship with you that the heads of states don't. And he or she has free access into your very presence. It's the same thing with God. You are his child, and you have access to his very presence. Not just access, but as I said earlier, boldness. We should not come to God cowering in fear, but rather with love and appreciation for all that he has done for us and come to him as a child to his father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, just a few verses before this, says this, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. You know, the wonderful thing is that that little child coming into the president's arms could reach up to the president's ears and whisper whatever's on his heart. And the president would listen. And it would mean something to him. And we can do the same. We can whisper in the ears of God. Casting all your care upon him, the scripture says, for he cares for you. And we know that every good and every perfect gift comes from our Father. Every perfect gift. Well, there are three parts to uh, Paul's prayer here. The first is found in verse 16. And just in a summary form, I'm going to say this. He is praying here for spiritual power. Spiritual power. Can I ask you a question? Do you feel as a believer today that you are living the Christian life with spiritual power? Think about it. Be honest with yourself. Do you really sense that you are living the Christian life with spiritual power? Okay? Don't have to answer. Don't have to raise a hand or anything like that. Just think about it. Second prayer request is verse seven, beginning of verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. We'll talk about that in a minute. And third, which is the most incredible, I think, is that you may know the unknowable. That you may know the unknowable. So let's take a look at them one at a time. Prayer for spiritual power. Paul is not asking here that we might uh, learn to perform spiritual uh, or perform miracles. The word power here is the Greek word uh, dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. Um, and Paul is asking for the same kind of power. It's the same word that is used when, in reference to Christ being raised from the dead. Okay, the power that raised Christ from the dead. 
He's saying that same kind of power that raised Christ from the dead, Father, I pray that it might be exhibited in the lives of the saints, of the believers, of this new body. It really means that we should have the ability to perform anything that God asks us to do, that kind of power. So recently, uh, some of you have been watching the news and, and you saw that a day was coming when the building that stood prominent on the hills uh, at the East Bay campus, uh, the day was coming for that building to come down. And uh, the administrative building needed to be torn down because it was in danger of collapsing in the next earthquake. It was unsafe. It was improper for people to be in that building because if, an earth, if the earth shook, that building may collapse on them. And so they had to bring it down. Well, I've always enjoyed watching implosions. And I've uh, seen many of them uh, on TV over the years. And there was a group of men called the Loazo Brothers who were uh, famous for this. I don't know if they had anything to do with this one. but the, were, Did they? Okay, so the Loazo Brothers were actually Christians from the assemblies back in the East Coast. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know whether as kids they just like blowing stuff up, but that's the field they got into. And the other side of the family, same Loazo brothers, got into Christian publishing. So I'm not really sure how the two fit, but anyway, the Loazo brothers were kind of uh, pioneers in this whole field of uh, imploding is actually the word that is used. Now what they do, I, I don't know all the technicalities of it all, but they go in and they look for strategic spots in the building and they weaken them. And then they put explosive charges in certain spots that they know if they blow them up at a certain time and in a certain sequence, it will so weaken the building that it will either come in on itself or it will fall a certain way. Most of the time, they do a pretty good job. I've seen a few where it didn't work out quite that right, quite that well. But they did fine up here. So if you didn't see it, you have the chance of seeing it now. Okay? Go ahead. as we used to say to the kids, all gone. <laughs> now, that's a lot of power. But the thing about it, it's well-placed power. Very, very well-placed power. And it brought down the entire building in seconds because it was controlled. Paul asks that we, as believers, might have that same kind of dynamite power, spiritual power, well-placed and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives. He's not asking that we might blow up, but that we might have such spiritual power we can do great things for God, even pulling down strongholds that oppose the work of God. That building, I don't know how long it took for them to build that building, but I'm sure it was years. And in a matter of seconds, it comes down. God can do the same thing in the spiritual realm where people have false ideas, where they have false beliefs, where they have built up these towers in opposition to God and God in a few seconds 
with the right aim, with the right uh, conditions, will bring it down in seconds. We don't need dynamite to do that, but we need spiritual power. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every single day, we are bombarded either through the media, through schools, through conversations with friends. Michael went out recently and he interviewed a whole bunch of people about their thoughts uh, of uh, whether there's evil in the world. What was the exact question? Are people good or evil? Some of you saw the answers on Wednesday night. I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> but crazy ideas that people have built up as towers in their mind, and it's a resistance against God and men who oppose the truth. And so we need godly men and godly women who are not afraid of standing up to scientists and philosophers and media and false cults. We need men and women who are strong in the faith and will do exploits for God. We need men and women who rely on the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives to say no to sin and yes to righteousness in their own lives. We need men and women who will take a stand for the truth and will bring down false teaching. And perhaps the best way of describing what Paul is saying is this. You are a Christian. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has given you every necessary power, uh, or nece everything necessary to live a powerful Christian life um, in the days ahead. Someone likened it to this. You're like a race car. I don't know if you've, if you've watched NASCAR races. Lita, I know you have. And uh, you have this fine-tuned machine with an engine that is sitting under the hood that is just raring to go, but nothing can happen until the driver learns to turn on the ignition. That car sits there, it's beautiful, powerful, everything is necessary for it to go racing down the track and perhaps even win, but nothing can happen until the ignition starts. And I think the common phrase, or the, the, the phrase at the beginning of the race is, gentlemen, start your engines, okay? We are in a spiritual battle, and God has given you everything that is necessary. All the power is there. It's available for your use, but some of you haven't learned to turn on the ignition. Gentlemen, ladies, start, the, start your engines. And so today... I'm going to do uh, something out of the ordinary. My wife told me, she says, no, that's quite ordinary for you to do. <laughs> and so we're going to do something different. Here we have a passage on prayer. And Paul is praying for these things for us, for all believers. And we can come and we can listen to a message about prayer. Or we can actually pray. And I thought, well, how... how much better it would be if we actually prayed what Paul is praying, but prayed it for us. So I'm going to ask you to do something that we've never done at a, uh, an 11 o'clock meeting. I'm going to ask you to pray. And here's how we're going to do it. 
I want you to break into groups of about four people. It doesn't have to be four. I'm not going to go around taking a, you know, a tally of how many are in each group. But I would recommend this. You've got a group of kind of youngish people over here. There's some uh, uh, um, seniors. Uh, mature. I, uh, there's some seniors here. <laughs> who can't move around quite as quickly as you can. So you're a little more nimble, I think. And if I would recommend to you is that you don't just pray with your own little click here, okay? Break up. Some of the younger people pray with some of the older people. Um, some of the older people pray with some of the younger people. Some of you may not feel comfortable praying out loud in a group. That's fine. Just tell your group when you all get together, I'll pray silently. They'll understand. And you, but you pray silently, okay? Pray. So here are some of the things. Do you guys uh, want to put a, a thing up here for me? Here's what Paul is praying for. He's praying for spiritual power. And so let's just concentrate. We're not going to be talking about you know, prayer right now that you know, our little kid at home might get over the sniffles or that you know, Aunt Phoebe might come to know the Lord. That's not what we're talking about right now. What we're praying for is each other, every one of you. And so I want to ask you that in the group that you choose to be in, that you pray for each other by name, asking the Lord to give each one of you spiritual power to live the Christian life. Okay, so the first request would be something like this, that God would raise up young men in our assembly who will be surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. You don't have to write all of that down, but just that... Uh, God would raise up young men in our assembly to be to the Lord. Second, that God would raise up young women who will reach this generation for God. That God would do whatever is necessary. This is a big prayer. That God would do whatever is necessary in your life as an individual to make you the man of God or the woman of God that he intends for you to be. Okay? God would do whatever is necessary. It's a big prayer. A lot of changes could take place in your life. That God would strengthen you to preach the gospel, teach the word of God, plant churches, whatever his intention is for your life. That God would have his free sway in your life. That his power might be demonstrated in your life. Okay? So, you don't have to use exactly those words. There's nothing special about those words. But just pray along those lines that God would make you spiritually powerful to live the Christian life in whatever way he wants uh, to make you. Okay? So groups of three, four, five, something like that, just break up in about ten minutes. I'll um, pray. We'll come back for session number two. Okay? For those of you who are listening to this recording, uh, this is a time when we paused as a church and broke into groups to pray. And so I just ask you to pause the recording at this moment and for yourself to pray and ask the Lord to work in your life and your heart in this area as well. As we bring our petitions to the Lord. Let's just close in prayer. 
for this session. Lord, we thank you so much for hearing us. We thank you that we do have boldness to come into your presence, that we have access to you, Father, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the power that is available to us. And we pray, Lord, that we might uh, enjoy the power of God working through our lives as we reach out to our community. And pray, Lord, that from this assembly we would raise up godly men, godly women, who will take a stand for you and that we would have an impact in this world that is palpable from this little location, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stay together if you like. Uh, If you want to sit on a chair now, that's fine. Can I ask you to continue to pray throughout the week? Pray for your husband, ladies, or your husband-to-be. Pray for your wives, men, or your wife-to-be. You say, I don't see any on the horizon. That's what I'm saying. Pray for them now, that the Lord would be working in power in their life. And uh, pray for each other. Pray that God would remove from us anything that is weak, uh, fear, anxiety, lack of faith, frustration, doubt, sin, and that God will strengthen you in the inner man with faith and boldness and joy and peace and victory and satisfaction, holiness, the fruit of the Spirit. As I said, gentlemen, ladies, start your engines. Be praying along those lines for each other. Okay, the second prayer request that Paul had was uh, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And you might read this and say, well, I I thought when I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, that's where he was. He came and he uh, came to dwell in my heart. And you would be absolutely correct if you said that. It's true. He is a permanent resident within the heart of every saved person person. But Paul's prayer isn't that the Lord would come and take up residence. That would be, that's already been done. The word actually means that the Lord Jesus Christ might be able to settle down and be at home in your heart. That's different. Um, Someone has said, it's not a question of whether Christ is in your life. It's a question of whether he is comfortable, whether he is at home there. Yesterday, I took Krista to an estate uh, on the other side of the peninsula here. And uh, it's the uh, Fioli Garden Estate. Uh, uh, some huge number of square feet of the house. I forget what it is offhand. Um, and we were in the home. Beautiful, beautiful home. And I said after I walked out of the home, I said, you know, I love the gardens. I love the architecture. But I don't feel at home here. Even though I was in the home. Um, I just don't feel like it's home. It just feels like, you know, something to look at. Well, that's what Paul is praying about here. He's saying, look, the Lord is in your life. He's in your heart as a believer. But does he feel at home in your heart? Does he feel at home in your life? That's the difference um, uh, between what is uh, being said here. Some of you remember the book, um, My Heart, Christ's Home by uh, Robert Munger. And I think there are still copies out in the foyer of the little book that Bill McDonald wrote some years ago called My Heart, Christ's Home. And both of those books take a look at our life as a Christian. 
And the idea is that if Christ were to actually come into your home, the home of your heart, and you could take your heart and look at it like rooms of a house, and, and he could go into each room of the house, would you really feel comfortable there? And so um, if you were to deal with the deep recesses of your heart and ask the question, your library, that's the room of your thoughts, does your, does your library need to be sanitized? Now, they had a library in this home, actually. And uh, some of the books, I'm sure, were good. They were dictionaries, so how far, how far can you go wrong there, you know? But some of the books, I'd go, eh, I wouldn't have that here, you know? And your thoughts, many of your thoughts, I'm sure, are fine. When you worship the Lord, you praise Him, you adore Him. Those are great. But sometimes our thoughts go down paths they should not go. Is the Lord comfortable in your heart then? Your dining room, are there appetites that need to be suppressed? The living room, the places where you go, the things that you do, are there changes in that area of your heart that need to be made? The windows, the things that you see, the things that you take in to your heart, do they need to be washed by the Lord? And the Lord does windows, by the way. The workshop, the things that you do with your spare time, are they really eternally profitable? There's nothing wrong with having hobbies, nothing wrong with doing things like that, but are they eternally profitable? Are they things you could be doing with your time? Can the Lord really settle down in the recesses in every room of your heart, in every closet, in every cupboard in your heart, and uh, be comfortable there? Can, can Christ make your heart His home? Not just the place where he comes to visit, but, your, but his home. Um, so I want to pr- break for prayer again. This time, I don't want to just break into groups. I just want you to stop and think about your own life personally. There are things that you won't share with other people. I know that. And uh, so I, this time it's going to be just silent prayer. You personally, individually, just you and God. And what it is, is it's a time to think about your heart and your heart before the Lord. Is it really pure? Is it really his home? And if not, why not? And Lord, are you willing to take all of the keys on your keychain from your home and say, Lord, have them all? The room to my library, the kitchen, the living room, the thoughts, whatever it is, Lord, have it all. Every key, every one, it's yours. So I want to just pause here for a couple of minutes and ask you to pray personally and individually. If there's something in your life that is hindering Christ feeling at home in your heart, then pray that the Lord would remove that um, and that uh, he, would have, he would be at home there. Okay, So let's just stop for prayer a couple of minutes, and then I'll pray, and then we'll go on to point number three. ourselves will exalt us in due time. Lord, if sins have been confessed, we are so grateful for your word that tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. We know that if your power is going to be demonstrated through us, Lord, you use clean vessels and we just pray, Lord, that today you might cleanse us from everything that hinders your work in our life. And we pray that you would cleanse us from everything that stands in the way. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so number three, that you being rooted, well, let's read the whole thing. Um, That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This prayer is huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, and ours should be too. The goal of having a powerful engine and a clean and hospitable heart is that we might be rooted and grounded in love. What does that mean? It means that everything we do in life, from the moment we get up in the morning until we lay down in the pillow at night, uh, on the pillow at night, is uh, focused on love for God and love for each other. That's really what he's praying for here. That everything we do is focused on our love for God and our love for people. It means that when Christ lives in power in your heart, the outflow or the outcome will be love. That's what it'll be. You will love as he loved. And we, if we all live this way, will be known by our love for one another. We will demonstrate that love to each other. And it means that from our very root, the source of every activity, every thought, every motive, right to the core of our being, will be uh, motivated by love. When Paul says rooted and grounded in love, he's actually using two illustrations here. The first one is from botany. The root supplies the plant with nourishment. And we draw our love. We have no love in ourselves, really. But we draw our love from the source of our life, which is who is the Lord Jesus Christ. We draw our love from Him. And as He lives His life freely through us, then the outcome is love. Love for others. The second illustration is a term from construction, grounded. When we um, laid the foundation for this building, we were very careful to make sure that the foundation was done properly. The rest of it needs to be done properly too, but if the foundation is wrong, the whole building is wrong. And uh, so the term that he's using here of grounded has to do with the foundation of a building. If the foundation is strong, the building will withstand all of life's turmoil. And if the foundation of our Christian life is love, then the building stands on that love and everything you see in us and through us is love. But love is very practical. If it sees a brother or sister in need, it wants to help that brother or sister. If it sees somebody hurting, it wants to come and to embrace that person and to help them through their trials or their sorrows or whatever it happens to be. When I love, I care more for the good of others than I do about my own needs, my own self. It means that as I look at a brother, as I look at a sister, and I say, I see something wrong in their life, 
I don't take it as a, an occasion for simply criticizing them, but saying, you know what? They need help. They need me to help them. They need someone to help them. How can I love them enough that I'll get my hands dirty, that I'll be uncomfortable, but I'm going to show them love anyway? Okay? This kind of love is completely unnatural. <laughs> but it is completely natural for somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and whose heart and life is hospitable to Christ and his love is, is demonstrated through us. We are to love as Christ loved. That's what Paul means in Ephesians 3, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. So stop there for a second. Oftentimes we talk about that as being God's love for us, and it's true. God loves us immeasurably. But the practical love that we're talking about here is Paul is asking for this love to be demonstrated through us and that that love cannot be measured, that there's no bounds to it, that I, I don't look at you and say, oh, I would do this if you were my closest friend, but you're not, so I, I'm not going to help you here. Okay? Um, I don't like the way you are, so I'm not going to love you. Okay? The love that Paul is talking about here, that he's praying for, it's incredible what he's asking for, but that our love might be so much like the Lord Jesus Christ that there's no limit to it. There's no end that direction, that direction, that direction. No matter how you point, there's no end. There's no limit to love. The love of God uh, flowing through us. Am I there yet? Absolutely not. <laughs> Are you there yet? Probably a lot closer than I am. But the fact is, and the reason Paul's praying for this is because we all need to have and demonstrate and live that kind of love out in our lives. To really love, your love is going to be tested. Paul is praying that we might know experientially how great God's love is. You want to know how great God's love is? He'll test you in it. he say, okay, here, I'm going to give you somebody that you may not even like. Love him. Love her. And as you begin to show love to this person that may even be your enemy, all of a sudden it begins, the, the, the nickel falls and, and the light bulbs go on and you go, oh, that's how far the love of God goes. He even reached me. <laughs> so if he reached me, I can love her. I can love him. God's love, if you, if you really want this in your life, God's going to test you, and he's going to allow you to be faced with people who are unlovable people and love them. And you will see the extent to which God's love goes for you. Okay, That's the whole point. God's love towards us. God's love through us towards others. You know, I think we really limit God. We put him in a box. We put his love in a box. We tie a ribbon around it and say, oh, here's a present from God. God loved us. And I can package it and look at it. It's very cool. very little neat package. It's not that way. It's Paul, Paul says here that we might know the love of God which is unknowable. Okay, It's without measure. We can't possibly fathom it. But let's at least get started.
We can't measure it by width, by length, by depth, by height, because there's no limit, because Paul says of the love of Christ that it passes knowledge. So if Christ's love to us is immeasurable, it passes knowledge, that's the kind of love that we should have for one another. So look at the person sitting right next to you, right behind you, right in front of you. That's how much love God wants you to show to that person. Some of you are sitting next to your husband. Yeah, you got to love him that much. Some of you are sitting next to your wife. Yeah, the Lord wants you to love her that much. Some of you are sitting on opposite sides of the building. I don't know if that's designed or not. You know, I hope not. But you need to love those people on this side. And you need to love the people on that side. And that's why I tried to kind of mix you up a little bit today. Okay? Because God wants you to love everyone here. And everyone out there too. With his love. Same kind. Immeasurable. No restrictions. Well, our time is really up. So I'm going to just ask you to... We'll end with prayer one more time. And pray this way, that your love for your spouse might be evident, number one. That your children might see your love for them. That your love for the saints might be demonstrated. That your love for your coworkers might be seen. And that the whole world that we have contact with will know that we are Christians because of our love for one another. Okay? So just, you can pray with the person next to you or a group of three or four again, that's fine. Five minutes, we'll end in prayer and that will be the end of our, our message today. Let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for how you demonstrated your love for us by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, such amazing love. We pray, Lord, that you might remove from us anything that is not love, anything that hinders your love uh, being demonstrated through our lives. And Lord, help us to love our friends, our family, our co-workers, the unlovable, and even those that are our enemies, Lord, that we might demonstrate to the world that Jesus Christ reigns freely in our lives. We pray in his name. Amen.